Alright, and welcome to another episode of the Thick and Thin Podcast, guys. As always, I'm your host, Anthony Cardoza. Today we have a very special episode for, me, for you. Uh, I'm actually live in Arizona right now, staying with some friends, and uh, I'm really pumped about this one, guys. It's a former wrestler, he's a former professional boxer, and a former bodyguard of the now Mr. President Trump. Please welcome Michael, the Brass Bomber, Susky. Thank you for being with us, Mike. Uh, thank you for having me. Okay, so uh, there's so much to talk about, so much we need to know. Uh, but first and foremost, let's just let's just start from as far back as we can. You as a young man, how do you get into sports of the combat nature? Uh, well, you know, what? I, I, in third grade, I, I, my, my father was a big-time wrestler, one of the best in amateur history. And so is this a natural segue. In the third grade, I started wrestling. And then by seventh grade, I was unbeatable. I mean, I, you know, I had, the, I had the perfect body for wrestler. And uh, I did, when I wrestled, you know, there'd be like four mats open. When I wrestled, everybody come to watch Susky wrestle because I was going to put on a show. I used to just destroy people. And um, so, you know, I was a class tough guy. And um, in elementary school, everybody, like he had, he had five elementary schools, you know, where I was at in Flushing Township. And... Uh, and, and a lot of people, you know, I was real famous all through the elementary schools for being the toughest guy. In fourth grade, my parents went to a basketball game, and, you know, I played basketball. But uh, my father said I looked retarded running up and down the court because my tongue was hanging out, and I was <laughs> fouling around. And, you know, I was really uncoordinated, but I was a really good wrestler. And then uh, so they're sitting by the bench, and then he heard uh, one, of the, um, one of the kids talking to the kid on the other team said, hey, man, any of you guys want to fight? And then uh, the kid said, what are you talking about? And the kid goes, we got Mike Susky. He'll fight anybody. <laughs> I don't know who my promoter was, but <laughs> my parents loved that. They told that story for years. And then so um, I got I got beat up by a uh, black belt in eighth grade. He gave me, well, he gave me a big black guy. I was a lot tougher than him. And um, I didn't wrestle him. I, I went hands with him. You know, I was so tough, I thought I could go hands with him. The guy's a black belt. And he uh, proved me wrong, give me a big black eye. Man, I was so embarrassed. You know, I was, like I said, I was like the class tough guy. And, and uh, boy, I got humbled on that day for sure. So, so how old were you when you fought this uh, this guy? Uh, eighth grade. Okay. And uh, so then after that, man, I was like, man, my dad always wanted me to be a boxer. And um, so so the reason why, Ali's the reason why I was born. Uh, my dad had three girls all year apart, trying to have a boy, right? Right. And then Ali had three girls and then had a boy. And my dad saw that. Like I said, my dad loved Ali. So he goes to my mom. Uh, he said, Ali beat the odds, man. He had a boy after three girls. Let's try Let's try doing that. And then so uh, they had me. And then fast forward 19 years uh, later, I'm at the Hoosier Dome in a big national tournament. And guess who's sitting ringside? Ali. Muhammad Ali. Oh, and I won, I won the whole tournament. <laughs> and... Um, I won the middleweight title, and after my Ali sat ringside at the finals when I when I won the title, and I, and I went and sat with him. He signed my belt, and he acted like he was gonna hit me, fooling around. They, they're telling him <laughs> who I was. He was really messed up at the time, but uh, he, he had a real good sense of humor, and he said a lot of crazy jokes. But but getting him out was really difficult for him. But he was mm. funny. Then my dad got to sit with. Him. I have it on film on YouTube, and uh, my dad got to sit with them. 
Then Ali is acting like he's going to hit me. One of the greatest moments of my life, without a doubt. Awesome. So, then, so, so this all started from you losing a fight as a 15-year-old. <laughs> and you're like, basically, oh. yeah. So then from it, there, yeah. you're like, okay, I got I to gotta get back at this guy. Was it your plan to, to start boxing to, to just beat this guy up solely? Yeah, that, that, that was a plan. Mm-hmm. And then so I, I started boxing. Right. Well, I trained on my own for long, you know, for like months. Just hitting the bag and that sort of yep, thing. Yep. Yep. Okay. Exactly. Just hit. I just had a. Well, you know what? It started out. We had a big barn out back. My dad had an army duffel bag. I just filled the duffel bag up with clothes. Right. And that, and that was my heavy bag. Mm-hmm. Right. And I'd be out there for hours hitting that heavy bag. I, I was, you know, I was going to kill this black belt. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, then so that eventually, uh, so then Christmas come around, and my dad bought me a heavy bag, a speed bag. And my dad was a builder, and he made my garage, in, you know, the garage up at the house with a heater. He had a great big heater built into the garage, and he made a gym in there for me. And then so, uh, then so I took up uh, a few months later. I we go to a real gym, and um, and I progressed so fastly. That uh, within, I think it was six or seven months, I was national champion. Okay, so how... Hold on, give me a second. I just want to say, the black belt, he uh, he was so scared of me, I just left him alone. (laughs) (laughs) You know, he he was petrified of me. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I was... was, you know, I was a prick, but I wasn't that big of a prick. You know, he, he never messed. He wouldn't even look at me, so I just left him alone, and that was that. Okay. Uh, We're friends today. Oh, that's good. That's awesome. Yeah. Uh, so when you go to the gym, uh, right away, did you know it was the real deal? Tell me about this gym. Oh, it was awesome. It was awful. It was awful. It was awful or awesome? Oh, it was got, it <laughs> a little was, bit of both? It was, it was a little both. <laughs> okay. Uh, it was uh, – eventually, I got brain damage, from, you know, from, from the career and working out in that gym. But at the time, it was it was one of the top gyms in the world. It produced a heavyweight world champ, an Olympian, uh, another amateur world champ who was an alternate on, on an Olympic team, Timmy Timmy Littles. Uh, one of the other guys, uh, Chip Littles, beat Lennox Lewis when Lennox Lewis is heavyweight world champ. Chris Bird was in the Olympics, went on to be heavyweight world champ. Uh, Tim Bird uh, won a light heavyweight title. Pat Bird won a welterweight title. So, we, we, I mean, this is crazy. This is one of the top gyms in the world. And at that time, we were all on the U.S. boxing team, and that was unheard of. Mm-hmm. And, and I got, you know, and I'm coming in off the street, and these guys got over 150 wins, and I'm, I'm in the ring with them. And we're going, man, we're going out, you know. So this is, this is old school training. For you guys that don't know, old school is a lot fucking different than <laughs> it is now. They don't baby you. They don't. They're not like uh, it's it's not not necessarily it's a bad thing that the way because now it's more of a business right, but back then it was more of they're trying to make fighters they're trying to make champions, so whether you're you know Joe Schmo off the street or you're a seasoned vet they're gonna kind of you want to talk us to a, like a daily workout what they would kind of yeah they well okay the first time I ever got in the ring first time I ever got in a ring mm-hmm. I get in a, I get in the ring with Chris Bird who had over 150 wins okay and six national titles I was told that anyway six national titles. Over 150 wins, and he beat me like a. Chris Bird's not a big puncher, thank God, because if he was a big puncher, I would have been. I you probably wouldn't understand what I'm saying right now. You know what I mean? <laughs> right, right. So, uh, so he just beat me like a bag. And Joe Bird was an Olympic head coach in 1992. He's a, one of one of the best coaches in America. And and after I sparred two rounds with Chris, and he just, I mean, he just embarrassed. I mean, he just tore me apart. 
And, but I wouldn't quit. I kept coming at him, kept coming at him. And then he, the old man got up in the ring and hugged me. I'm all bloody. I'm all sweaty. And he got up in the ring and hugged me and said, I ain't never seen a kid with so much heart. And that's what they're really trying to weed out, right? They're trying to figure out, like, who's got it and who doesn't. Yes, they're trying to learn yeah. that right off the bat. Yep, exactly. Right? Back, yeah, most, you know, 99% of kids ain't coming back after that. You know what I mean? Right, right. But for me, that was affirmation. That day right there, that was affirmation. I was going to kick Chris Bird's ass. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> right. And, uh, and eventually, um, I did. <laughs> so... So you're you're in the gym. They see this talent. So they start training you. And then you said you won your first. Um, it was a national. Was it well, my my first tournament. Uh, uh, I knocked two guys out in the first round. I won this junior Olympics, which is the biggest tournament in the juniors. A juniors is you're you're 15 or younger. Now it's 16 or younger. So I'm 15 or younger. That's in the juniors. Junior Olympics, biggest tournament. And it was my first tournament, and I knocked two guys out in the first round of Michigan, win the, win the Michigan title, go to the U.S. Regionals, which is four states, uh, Ohio, Indiana, Michigan, and uh, Illinois. And they all, and then all them guys box off, and then they go to the Nationals. And then so nobody come because this kid from, I think it was Ohio, yeah, from Ohio was a, was, uh, a champion. I mean, he, he was destroying everybody. And I didn't know him from blue. You know, I didn't know who, who this kid was. I just knew he was good because he had a bunch of championship patches or tournament patches all over his, you know, his, uh, his, his um, robe and on his trunks. He got in the ring, man. He's floating around like Ali, man. He had tassels on his boxing shoes. So this is my third fight. So I had Converse tennis shoes on, <laughs> my gym shorts. And, and the Flint Pal yellow, and I had great, nothing matched. Bar- you, have a, you have a borrowed cup on. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I had a football cup on, dude, for real. Right. I had a football cup and a jock strap. And this kid, you know, he's got the leather uh, boxing cup, and, and he's, I mean, he's a six time national champ. And I, you know, I didn't, I, I just knew he was really good. I mean, he, I mean, he had to be an idiot. And he floated around the ring, you know, before the fight, and he was like, Ali, man. It, so I'm just and, and then I'm like thinking, wow, what did I get myself into? And then uh, so he beat me up in the first round pretty good. In the second round, I, I got I, like I had that conditioning from wrestling. If I wasn't a wrestler, if I didn't wrestle since the third grade up until eighth grade, I don't think I would have did. The, you know, I know I wouldn't have been nearly as good as I was in boxing. So they kind of gave you that parallel. Develop, they yeah. developed that mental toughness at a really yeah. young age. Well, the win too, the conditioning. Right. Wrestling, the conditioning of wrestling is just insane. Mm-hmm. And that carried over into boxing. Mm-hmm. So he wins the first round. Yeah, he mm-hmm. beat me. I mean, he beat me up in the first round. Second round was competitive. In the third round, I start, I beat him up, and he gets two points taken off for holding. And, uh, you know, I was just, he's, instead of going down, he's grab, I mean, I was kicking his ass pretty good by then because, you know, he shot his wide in the first round. Right. And um and they, and he still finished the fight. I mean, dude, if you got one more point taken off, you'd have got DQ'd. But guys like that don't get DQ'd. Mm-hmm. And then so uh so I definitely won the fight without a doubt. And and like I said, I'm in there with gym shorts and all that. And I and I won on three two. So he had five judges, and two of them judges still thought he won that fight. Which is, you know, BS, but... Typical you, boxing kind of judging. Yeah, well, you know, the champion. You know, the guy's right. been there and done it. And, you know, I'm just coming off the streets. Do you think it was one of those situations where it's uh, almost ignorance is bliss? So you go in there not really respecting oh, his skill oh, and that yeah. sort of thing? Yeah, oh, big time. Mm-hmm. 
Big time. Ign- on that day, <laughs> ignorance was bliss for me. <laughs> for sure. I would have been freaking out, man, knowing who he was, you know. Right. Then I found out afterwards who he was. And, and then that his trainer was always coming after me. I was always beating his guys. And he's like, I'm going to get you this time. <laughs> I'm like, okay, okay, whatever. <laughs> he's out of Cincinnati and I was out of Michigan. So, yeah, we got to be buddies and that. We talked, took crap back and forth. And. A lot of his fighters were on the U.S. team with me, and we got to be buddies and what have you. So after that, did you go straight on to the pros, or how did that No, no, that's I'm 15 years old. Oh, okay. And then um, I go to the Nationals. Check this out. So my first tournament, Junior Olympics, I won the state. I won the U.S. Regionals, and I go to the Nationals. And um, I still got my high tops on, my Converse high tops, and my gym shorts on. My first fight in the Nationals, uh, I fight the, uh, I fight, he's one of the great, best fighters in the country. And I was knocked, I had him knocked out. I was beating him up and I got DQ'd for slapping. It was a bunch of BS, man. I broke his nose and they're thinking about fight, stopping the fight. His, his sinuses are all full of blood. He, he couldn't breathe really good and I was breaking him down. And, uh, so that's my fourth fight, man. And this guy's a national champion. I'm taking him apart and I get DQ'd. And uh, I know damn well they're looking to DQ me because, you know, I'm, I'm up there with my Converse tennis shoes on, you know, beating up this, you know, national champion. And so I get DQ'd. And, I had a, and then uh, my teammate, Chris Bird, was up there with me, and he won every fight to the, to the finals. I could have left, you know what I mean? But I'm, I'm, I'm down there. I'm in North Carolina, I'm back, and I'm living up in Michigan. So, so, um, so I had to wait around for Chris Bird to lose, and he made it all the way to the finals. So, and then the kid I beat had knocked out, beat everybody. Mm-hmm. I mean, he took everybody apart and won the nationals. Completely, I was that close. Right. Well, at least, I, at least it's good to see. I, I mean, I don't. Some people don't understand that, but if you lose, even though you know you didn't technically lose, but even if you lose to someone, you want them to go on because you don't want to lose to someone that's not going to do good. So obviously. Oh yeah, yeah, it. definitely. Yeah. No, I lost. I mean, I got disqualified, uh-huh. so that's a loss. Uh-huh. Um, and then, uh, the, the next tournament, next big tournament I went into was the power nationals out in New York a few months later and I won that. And, um, so then after that, I mean, I just took off and, you know, I was in the junior worlds and I uh, just saw, you know, I was Olympic center. I was going all over. Um, I, I just, it was a dream come true for me. At a young age, you're already seeing this kind of success. Yeah. And, uh, so real quick, when you say Chris Bird, um, are you talking about uh, uh, Joe Bird's son? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So all uh, the Bird boys. Uh, Joe Bird was uh, Ali's main sparring partner back in the day. Um, he didn't have a real good pro record, but he was tough. I mean, he's, I mean, he's a journeyman. You know, if if you went on your game, he's gonna get you. And Ernie Shavers, you fought Ernie Shavers, who's the hardest hitting heavyweight in the history of the heavyweight division, hands down. Ernie Shavers. And um, like I said, he's Ali's sparring partner, Fraser, all them guys. He had a Fraser style, so that's why Ali Ali liked Joe Bird, and he was always sparring with them. And, you know, Joe, Joe was a good fighter. And all his sons fought too, right? All five were ranked pros. Mm-hmm. That's and, insane. And one of his sons, I, you were telling me an interesting story about that um, – he had he had taken too much damage in the ring. Right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I loved Ronnie. I, I I hate to say anything bad about Ronnie Bird, but Ronnie Bird was the best Bird out of all the Bird boys. Ronnie Bird was the best, uh, but he was real light. He was 120 20 pounder, 125 pounds. You know, on a good day, 
And, uh, yeah, he's in the ring with uh, 150, 160, 175-pound fighters. And he uh, ended up getting punch drunk. And now he has, um, you know, he's punch drunk now and he's institutionalized. Is it, was it CT, whatever Yeah, the, that's, this is long before people CTE knew about or whatever CT. It is. Yeah, so the, yeah. the damage, they, they leak it to all sorts. Yeah. At the time, they didn't know about it. They thought it was just being tough, right, exactly. mentally. And exactly. You're, you're only getting better. He's, he's got a good chin, but they don't realize that your brain's taking well, damage. Not, the concussions, right? Mm-hmm. Check this out. The, the, it wasn't even on the radar. Right. Was, right. You know, I, I, so I, I'm, I, um, I, I'm fighting in 88. I am just turned 17. And um, the Olympic trials are coming up, right? Right. The Olympic trials in 88 are coming up. I just turned 17. And, um, you know, that was me and my dad's dream for me to make the Olympics. And um, so I I trained crazy hard for him. I went open. I was fighting novice up until the Olympic trials. And then you go open. That's a higher division. That's a high. Well, it's the highest division. You got novice. Like you got open. Yeah. Right. So it's the highest division. So I go open to fight in the Olympic trials. Next thing you know, I'm in the nationals fighting a world champion in the semifinals in the nationals. And um, and up into and so getting to the nationals, I sparring a lot with the Bird Boys. I got a concussion, and they were just beating me. Oh man, they beat me like a heavy bag. They were just ripping my. <laughs> ass every day right and um i didn't know what was wrong you know and then i and then one of the post symptoms of a concussion is depression so i went a spot you know i went went, went a bunch of fights to get the nationals i went a spot to go to the eastern nationals and um i didn't want to go you know and uh, I was so depressed from the concussion. Right. That's a post-symptom of a concussion, depression, and nobody knew. Nobody said anything about it. Yeah, and that's if you if you get the concussion and you take time off, then it goes away. But yeah. you're not taking time off. You're just getting back yep. in there sparring and Spar- fighting. Yeah, sparring. Sparring's where you get your brain damage at. Uh, not in, for the most part, not an actual fight unless you like you're doing twelve rounds and you're in in your tenth round and you can't keep your hands up what happens is you get numb when you get hit a lot you get numb and and you won't get knocked out you know but you'll take a lot of damage and you're uh sustaining brain damage in the process yeah because you're not getting knocked out because the gloves are a little thicker but you're also wearing headgear which makes a bigger target so your brain is just yeah it's not enough to put you down but it's definitely enough to fuck your brain up (laughs) well check this out the ring that we had um, we're all around the U.S. boxing team. That was unheard of. That was total. I mean, you'd be lucky. I mean, you'd be like really, really unusual to have one guy on the U.S. boxing team in your gym. We all were. Chip Littles, Timmy Littles, Pat Bird, Chris Bird, me, uh, James Johnson. I mean, it was just endless, right? And uh, so we, you know, was, we we're very efficient at beating each other up, you know. <laughs> yeah, you know each and other's then, style. And <laughs> so once you get a concussion, you, you, you're a step behind, and you're just going to get, I mean, you're getting your ass kicked every day, mm-hmm. like thoroughly. And, um, yeah, it's, it was just a bad situation. And it was prior, like now, if you get a concussion, you'll know it. You'll know the symptoms. You'll be able to step off, take a week off, you know, get, and gradually come back in. Whereas back then, it was every day, man, in the ring, every day, every day, every day. Mm-hmm. And so it's just compounding your brain damage, basically. Right. So uh, w- at what part do you start to go pro? Is it a decision that you make? Is it something that your pops made? Or is it just, uh, how does that work? Uh, it's just a natural progress. Uh, going pro, uh, your Olympics, when you're, when you're 
when you're really good, mm-hmm. when you're a really good fighter, the Olympics dictate when you go in pro. Mm-hmm. Okay, so if you're in your early 20s and you just miss the Olympics, you're going to go pro. Right. Okay. Now, if you're in your teenage years and you just miss the Olympics, you know, like guys suck around. I fought in the 88 Olympics. I was at 17. I'm sticking around for the 92 Olympics, right? Right, right. And, you know, I did I did pretty good. And I got a concussion then, too. <laughs> it's, it's, both Olympic trials, I had a concussion. Right. The second time I had a concussion, I was uh, James Eitel, Tony, pound for pound, best fighter in the world as a pro. And uh, I was his main sparring partner. And I got a con- I had a lot of hard fights, too. I mean, I, I beat some of the best fighters in the country in the Olympic trials getting up to the nationals. And I made it to, the, I think, the quarterfinals when I fought Fred Quindo, who was a future heavyweight champ. And all I did was run. Fred, that's all Fred did was run and hit me some bullshit jabs. And I had a concussion. My timing was all off, and Fred's was really quick and awkward. And that threw me off, and I lost a split decision. And everybody's like, oh, how the hell did you lose that fight? I'm like, oh, I don't know. Everybody <laughs> thought I won it still, you know. But I but I had a concussion, and I was really depressed. And, and um, so it really didn't bother me. I just wanted to go home. That's right. all I did was want to go home. So anyhow, uh, so, yeah, your age and the Olympic trials, you know, everybody, that's, you know, if you're going to go pro, you're, you're going to be pretty. I mean, well, you got you got bums that go pro too, and they make they make a living off of losing. Right. Okay? They got the, the there's guys more of them than stones. yeah. There's more of them. Yeah, exactly. A stepping stone. There's more of them than there are like champion fighters. But like the like a big time fighter, you know, if you're national champion and all that, that's what's going to dictate when you go pro is the Olympics. Right. Okay. So um, and at this point, uh, so once you decide to go pro, where are you fighting at? Are you staying in um, Detroit? Yeah, well, uh, no, Detroit was our enemy. Okay. <laughs> I was out uh, Flint and Detroit Flint, sorry, hated sorry, each okay. other. Okay. Eventually, okay. I ended up down there. I, um, I, uh, yeah, I was, I was going all over. Uh, I was traveling all over, doing all kinds of crazy things outside of the ring. And uh, so, I, um, uh, me and the birds had kind of a falling out. There was a jealousy. I was getting really good. I was getting, you know, better than Chris Bird, who was, you know, sparring anyways. Mm-hmm. Come fight time, you know, he's a great fighter. I, I wouldn't say I was as good as him. Mm-hmm. But in sparring, I'd, I, you know, I'd get into his ass. Mm-hmm. And so, um, so we're, uh, Detroit was talking about how he's a better fighter. And there's jealousy developing. A lot of people across the country would talk about how good I was. And I was kind of rubbing the Joe Bird wrong. And he wasn't uh, promoting me like I thought he should have. And so I ended up, I won a scholarship uh, from Ring 32, which is a big boxing magazine down in Detroit. And then so they had a big banquet uh, celebrating, you know, the annual party they would have for Ring 32. And they hand out scholarships. So they wanted me to come down there. And me and my mom went down there. And, um, and I got a scholarship, and I, I was up at the podium giving a speech and all that, but, you know, a bunch of crap. And so then I, I come off the podium, and every gym in Detroit was coming up to me because they heard I wanted to skip uh, skip out on the birds. I think that's the only reason why they gave me the scholarship because, like I said, Flint and Detroit hated each other. 
Uh, that puzzled uh, me when they said, hey, yeah, well, it kind of puzzled me. They're like, hey, we're, you got a scholarship done, you know, you're getting a scholarship from Detroit. You know, I was like, what the hell is this? Dude, what's happening here? Right, right. And then so they get down there and then everybody's talking to me, trying to get me to go to the gym. Kronk, uh, Manny Stewart come up to me. Manny Stewart's one of the biggest trainers in history. Kronk yeah, he's, he's my favorite trainer. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so he come up talking to me and we had a lot of bad blood. There's a lot of stories before that. He sick this crunk. I knocked out one of their guys, one of the Kronk fighters, and they got mad at me. And he he sent a bunch of um, world ranked fighters, you know, uh, back to the, in the locker rooms to beat me up. <laughs> after after you beat someone from yeah Kronk's? yeah I knocked the kid out and, uh, from Kronk. And if you guys aren't familiar with Kronk, that's a uh, that's Manuel Stewart gym. They produced um, well actually Tyson Fury had just trained with the. Uh, yeah. Sugar Hill out of there when he beat um, Deontay Wilder, but they produced tons of champions. Tommy Hearns is the most notable, obviously. Yeah, um, one of the greatest fighters ever. Yeah. He was he was gifted though. Tommy was was abs- I mean, he, he was more gifted than any fighter in history. And uh, did you ever work with him? No, Tommy was sketchy. <laughs> I'm at, okay now. I'm at I'm at Hagler. I'm at Ray. I met Tommy. I never met Duran. And Duran was my favorite one of them all. He's your all-time. all-time Duran would fight your fight and beat you. You know what I mean? Like Tommy. Tommy had to back you up. If he wasn't backing you up, he's going to lose. Uh, Ray Ray was pretty vers- versatile. Hagler. Hagler had to, beat you, uh, had to back you up to beat you. And um, so uh, Duran, like I said, Duran would fight your fight and beat you and beat you at your game. That's what I loved about Duran. If you want to move, like Ray, I mean, he kind of went at Ray. He he got to back Ray up to beat him, and he did that on and off. But he he was about boxing Sugar Ray Leonard the first time they the fought. First fight, yeah. Definitely. Okay, so now look at the first time they fought. Dran was Dran started fighting in the '60s. He had his first fight like in '68 or '9. Mm-hmm. Okay, so now he's fighting uh, uh, Sugar Ray Leonard in 1982. You can't tell me he's over the hill. Mm-hmm. He fought for over 13 years at that time. He's already put a lot of miles. Hell on. yeah! I mean, give me a break, man. So, so and now he's getting in the mix with all these guys in in the mid 80s, Hagler, Hearns. You know, he's over the hill. And then I heard, I hate to say this, uh, like I said, I love Duran, but I was I was in um in a um thrift store and this dude comes up to me, he goes, hey man, he goes, uh, you a boxer? And uh, he's an Argentina guy, right? I'm like, yeah, so then we get shooting the shit, right? And uh, he, he's around boxers, and he can tell by my nose I was a fighter. So uh, we get talking, you know, he's a real cool guy, man. And then in the conversation, he's, yeah, man, he goes, uh, he goes, I used to deal a little bit of drugs. He's from Argentina. Yeah, he goes, I used to deal a little drugs. And he said, uh, the night before the uh, uh, Duran fought ha- uh, Hearns, Tommy Hearns, he goes, yeah, we're up all night doing three hookers and, and coke. <laughs> <laughs> no way yeah and so uh and then that Duran got knocked out on his face that day but yeah i, go, I go couldn't figure, believe it. the right? guy was legit the guy was legit as hell and he told me he was up all night with three hookers and coke doing coke all night with Duran before that fight Jeez. so so and that makes sense because uh like at the olympic center when i used to go out to the olympic i used to go out to the uh, colorado olympic center all the time we, we would stay up all night, like, f- before we flew home, we'd stay up all night, and then jump on a plane, sleep all, you know, sleep all day, go flying home. It's kind of, kind of the same scenario. Mm-hmm. So when you're a fighter, 
uh, they'd stay up all night and then sleep all day because you have to fight at eight o'clock at night. So then you you you're waking up, you know, you're sleeping all day, you're waking up, you know, ready for the fight. Mm-hmm. You're not you're not sitting around all day freaking out about the fight. You're sleeping. Oh, so that was sort of like yeah, tra- yeah. You know what I mean? Almost. Okay. Yeah. So it kind of made sense, you know. Yeah. So, like I said, you know, you let's say you do that and you go to bed at eight o'clock and you wake up at you know six o'clock, you get ready, you know, you're ready to fight. Mm-hmm. So, anyways, yeah, the guy, like I said, the guy seemed legit, and um, and you had said something to me that was uh, that involving drugs, like uh, I don't know if you want to say it, but oh yeah, I'll uh, say it about that <laughs> about the cocaine use well, in Tyson. Uh, Tyson even said he did it. Uh-huh. They're coking up before the fight. So these guys are doing lines of blow. Oh yeah, and then yep. just then before they go out to cause it's loading just, gloves. I fought I fought dudes that loaded the gloves in the amateurs, let alone the pros. So for those of you guys that don't know, loading gloves. You want to explain it to them, Mike? Well, well you get plaster Paris and and you uh, uh you get them wet and you have a um, you have a residue in there that will harden up. And that's something that notably uh, Margarito got caught for. Yeah, extra wraps too. You extra wraps really hard, and um, and you kind of uh, put like um, instead of having a bar, you you have a wrap that has like plastic Paris in it in between you in uh, in between your fingers and you know it's almost like you wrap your fingers around. Yeah, is that? Well, no, you wrap your finger. It's in it's in your actual. Uh, hand. Yeah, you get that grip and yeah. cast. Yeah. You know, when, when you hit somebody, it's, it's yeah, basically like a, hitting them with a weapon. Yeah, <laughs> with, well, I've I seen guys have a bar, uh, like a knife, you know, like a knife pouch, but they had a bar they, for street fights. They'd have a bar in there instead of a knife and then put that bar in their hand, you know, and, you know, wrap the knuckles around it. You know, that, when you hit somebody like that, you're knocking them out. Yeah, it's like holding a roll of quarters, or they do lighter. Exactly, yeah. exactly. <laughs> this is all street yep, fight yep, hood action. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's a good description. I was, right. I, was, I was struggling with the description. No, I got there. you. I've got you. I've been hit by a few yeah. things. Yeah, <laughs> me too. Right. Been hit by everything, really. Right. Okay, so uh, what was what was some of the crazy thing? I know you said you sparred with James Tony with Chris. I was Bird. his main sparring. I was main, uh, James Tony's main sparring partner. Chris Bird's main sparring. They are these are all heavyweight world champs. Heavyweight world champs. James Tony. Chris Bird. Now Tony was a middleweight uh, world champ at the time, pound for pound, ranked best fighter in the world. And then um, I was yeah, in his heyday, James yeah. Tony was fucking terrifying. Yeah, I'd, I'd spar with him all day. Mm-hmm. Me and him would go at it. I was his main guy. And um, the McCollum fight was one of the greatest fights in history. Middleweight fights. I was his main sparring partner, and he knocked everybody out. All right, so he had like I think four or five sparring partners. Now I was the only one left. When he got knocked out in his camp, he got sent home. And I was the only guy out in Lang City left sparring with him. And I was still an amateur. And you were a lot lighter, right? Mm, no. Well, at the time, well, no, yeah, he was, I mean, yeah, no, no, he's middleweight. No, he I, moved up I, as he got yeah. later in his career. That's what I was thinking. I was fighting. I was, you know, I was fighting light middleweight when I when I was sparring with him. We, you know, but so middleweight for me was 165 in the amateurs, and middleweight for him was 160 in the pros. And I, I went up to light heavy, light heavy though, while I was sparring with him. So I was a little bit bigger. Okay. But um. Yeah. I mean, no, bit- well, you not really because he got he got he always put on he'd lose like fifteen twenty pounds the week of the fight. Okay, and and uh, so he's always I guess he'd be heavier than me because I was never more than one seventy five. You know, I fought one seventy eight. 
No, I never never hit 178. Well, he's naturally a bigger guy because, I mean, eventually when, no. you, when you cut weight no, like that, no. James Tony? No, he, 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 he loves to eat. Oh, yeah. <laughs> he loves, no. Tony's not naturally a big dude. He loves to eat. Burger King, man. Double Whopper. Oh, thing. my God. Oh, he loved Burger King. Right. Burger King and shakes, man. No, Tony, Tony loved to eat. Oh, okay. Cause he, that was his problem. Because he kept moving up in, in weight, but that was just because he couldn't control Oh, check this out. So, so when, when, he, um, when he fought Roy Jones, mm-hmm. okay, he fought Roy Jones. And at that time, that was one of the biggest fights in history. Because them two were undefeated, and they beat everybody. I mean, between them two, they beat every great fighter there was at that time. And they fought, and Tony put on like, I was like 22 or 23 pounds uh, since the weigh-in. Which is now, that's stupid. <laughs> that is. As soon as I heard that, I'm like, "Are you? How dumb could you be? You, you can't acclimate that kind that kind of weight." No. And, and it showed in the ring. I mean, he was his timing was way off in that fight, and he he lost the fight handedly. And and I and I guarantee you that was the reason why. Yeah, because you can get away with that once, like maybe a couple times, but when you keep doing it, eventually it catches up with you. And then it's just your body. Well, you, well, you're fighting Roy Jones, you know, right. that, and he's one of the greatest fighters ever, without right. a doubt. Mm-hmm. And that, and he's so fast, you know. Tony was fast too, but but when he put that, I mean, it was almost 25 pounds. You can't put on 25 pounds in 24 hours and think your body's going to acclimate that and move good. It right. just ain't going to happen. Maybe when you're like when you're first starting out, a lot of people do that. But as you get a little bit older, it just doesn't doesn't kick the same, right? Uh, okay, so. Uh, we're let's move on. So uh, after boxing, what was it like for you when you first uh, stopped with boxing? Oh man, it was off. I got I got knocked out my last fight. I got well TKO'd. I got TKO'd my last fight. Um, I shot up real quick. Um, I was living real. F- I had a bunch of money. I was living real fast. Uh, had a swimsuit model girlfriend down on West Palm Beach. I was flying down there all the time. Um, we were misbehaving terribly um you know i was young and dumb man i was just young and dumb uh, i didn't uh, you can't when you, when you live like that you know i'm going out partying all the time um flying all over had a bunch of money when you live like that it's it catches up with you let's just say that and um it's it's hard to me you know I'm, I know some guys can maintain it, but just I, I couldn't maintain that kind of lifestyle and fight good, you know, keep well, focused. I think one of the things, and correct me if, if you think something different, uh, with fighters is they sort of have a duality of this sort of, uh, they have to have sort of a crazy part of them, right? Like a lot of times you're training for fights, you're <laughs> yeah. very strict, you're very disciplined, and when that's not there, you kind of go fucking complete opposite, right? Yeah. So it's sort of that duality of man that is, is very, very, very apparent in fighters. So the second you don't have that, go back to you know go back to work, get back in the gym. You don't have that anymore. Ninety percent of fighters have a tendency to fucking lose their shit, right? Oh, big time. Yeah, <laughs> yeah you know, we, we, uh, you're living on the edge. Right. You are absolutely. Your, your your whole life comes on that one fight. Think about that. Your whole life, when you get ranked, I was ranked ten in the world. I'm eleven and zero. Take this shit. I fought a lot of tough dudes. I fought a Russian champ. I fought a Danny the Danny the Frenchman Bouchard, Mean Terry Green. These are all big time. Terry, mean Terry, mean Green. Terry Green was on the U.S. boxing yeah, team. Yeah, yeah. Knocked Green. his ass out. <laughs> um, he's a, he's Ohio champ, and um, yeah, you know I, I and then so I shot up real quick, and um, I was, 
my six my six pro fight, I was fighting on Fox Sports Net. In my eleventh pro fight, I'm fighting on ESPN. I set a bunch of world records on ESPN. I fought uh, fought this dude from the islands. He was tough as hell. Uh, I can't think of his name right now. Man, that dude was tough, and uh, I I hit him uh, hundred. I threw 139 punches, and I landed like 80, 88 of them, or something like that. He's just standing there, still there. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He was tough, man. And uh, so I'm 11 and 0. Uh, I had a bunch of great fights. I guess one of the greatest fights ever at the Palace. Set a bunch of world records on ESPN. I was making a ton of money. And I wasn't living right, man. I was, you know, out partying, just doing stupid stuff, flying wherever I uh, fly to LA, fly to Miami. You know, I was just doing, you just can't. I was uh, very undisciplined. And yeah, I kind of got what I deserved. And then eventually you get uh, brain damage, you know, when you live like I was living. And you get, I'm in the ring with some of the, I'm in the ring with Hall of Fame fighters. Hall of Fame fighters. Muhammad Kawi. That's one of my sparring partners. You ever heard of Muhammad Kawi? David uh, Braxton? Yeah, I mean, I've, I've Light heard heavy, of- one of the greatest light heavies ever. And he he was a heavyweight when I was sparring with him. But, I mean, you know, it was insane. to th- When I was a kid thinking, oh, hey, one day you're going to get in the ring with Muhammad Kawi. I'd be like, <laughs> like, fuck you. Right. Excuse me, am I allowed to say that? Yeah, of course. Okay, I'd be like, I'd be like, we're just talking about drugs yeah. and hookers, but don't yeah. say the f word. <laughs> no, I didn't say hookers. I didn't know hookers. Homie, don't do hookers. But yeah, you know what I mean. If you just right. say, hey, you know, when I was a kid, I was, I watched. Uh, his name was Muhammad Kwawi, David Braxton, same guy. He fought Evander Holyfield in one of the greatest fights ever. That's right. That's right. They set up all kinds of world records, man. It was insane what they did. They, they threw the most punches ever in a fight. And, and then if you're to tell, hey, you know, 10 years later, you're going to be in the ring with Muhammad Kali? I'd be like, what the hell are you talking about? You know, as a kid, and, man, I just worship Kali. That man, he's kind of a prick, but he didn't impress me. But uh, he talked. He, I don't know why he was always talking crap to me for whatever reason. Yeah, I sparred him tough. I, You know, by that time when I was in the ring with him, I was, I was pretty damn good. And uh, he was used to, you know, taking guys apart, and he, he wasn't doing that to me. So, I don't know. He, and then he was always talking crap to me out of the ring for whatever reason. I'm like, okay, I just I just look at him and go, okay. Okay, okay. Right, right. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That probably just made him more mad. So, but anyways, so yeah. You, yeah, so you, okay, so you have this great career. Uh, well, you're making tons of money, and then after this, what are you doing? Are you just nothing. floating around I, for a I couple no- years? No, I had nothing. After my career was over. You never thought about life beyond the ring, Oh, right? nothing. Yeah. I was ill-prepared for life. I had nothing. I mean, I was flat on my back. I just, my wife was the only thing. I, well, we were boyfriend. We were living together. Mm-hmm. You know, my, my wife moved in after the second date. I met her. At, you know, at the height of my career, I met her. And uh, we were flying out. We and her were having a lot of fun. And, um... And uh, she stuck with me, man. I was I was really bad. I, my speech was all messed up. When you get punch drunk, you you don't talk good. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, luckily, I read. I had I was I had a I, I just read everything. I had a reading fetish, I guess you could say. I, I I'd read medical journals, and then I did nothing. I just I wallowed in my self pity for years, and I you know I just. 
I lived to go have a coffee and read the papers and medical journals or whatever I could down at the coffee shop. You know, that was my life. And um, and eventually I come across some um, uh, studies on uh, replacing neurons. And that's what boxing took from me, neurons. That's, that's how you, when you get brain damage, you, it's a lack of, neur- you, they're killing neurons. And I learned how to get that back. And through exercise, and I know some of these other guys too, because I knew some big time, in, uh, like, I, can't, I don't want to name drop on this, because I'm not really sure who some of the guys were, but there's big time announcers. And I, I knew them from back in the day after they finished their career, and they, they couldn't talk for, for nothing. You know, you get punch drunk, you get, they call it a thick tongue, whatever you want to call it, punch drunk, whatever. You don't talk good. Uh, the frontal lobe in your head is where your speech is. Okay, and when you get hit, you lose it. And then, so, and then a little bit later, these guys are talking fine, announcing fights and all that. And, and you know, a year or two before that, you couldn't understand two words they were saying. You know, and then so I come across these medical journals that told you if you exercise, if you did extreme cardio exercise and created a bunch of blood flow going through your brain, you replace neurons. Okay. And I was like, holy, you know, that's, and that's what boxing took from me, neurons. And now, so then I just started doing that. It's, uh, the stair stepper, treadmill, running 10, 10, 10 mile um, road races, 5Ks, anything, man. I was running all of them. Jim, they had a road race. I was in it. Uh, and I was running, you know, six-minute miles stuff, you know, no problem. And you could feel sort of the improvement. Oh, happened. big time. And swimming was the best thing. You know, I, I got real big. After I retired from boxing, I just lifted weights. I lived in the gym. I lifted weights all the time. And um, So I'm just, I'm just uh, curious, too. So you could, when you felt, uh, did you feel like you wanted to say things and, and do things, but your body wasn't responding yeah. the way you oh, wanted big, to? Oh, big time. So it's like being trapped almost inside. Yeah, of- you know, I, you know, I always had a lot of things to say, but, uh, you know, you know, I'd, I'd stumble. And it's just like, fuck it. In my see. speech, it was awful. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was, uh, I mean, it was a living hell for me. Mm-hmm. You know, and, um, yeah, I couldn't talk well at all. I mean, at all. You couldn't understand a lot of the words I said. I mean, some of them you could, maybe, you know, and then some you couldn't. Mm-hmm. So you start to build this back, and then... Um, yeah, oh, big time. Mm-hmm. Okay, I mean, so- I come raging back. Once I figured out what to do, how to get it back, and like I said, I know some guys on HBO, some announcers on HBO that they're about my age, they come along with me, mm-hmm. and they were messed up, and they're they're sharp as hell right now. And I know damn well it's it's out, but nobody's talking about it. Right. So okay. So you you're getting this back. You're starting to mm-hmm. to, to get to your old self. High high intensity exercise. High intensity. And the best thing best thing I figured out for me because I was so big from lifting weights and my joints all tear it up. You know, I tore my joints up twelve years in boxing. You, you're gonna have some joint damage for sure. Mm-hmm. And so and I you know I I didn't have no boxing talent, so I overtrained. I mean, if I did something, it was overtraining. Man, I I wasn't. I had short, stubby legs and a long body, and I was running four minute miles. You know, just to get in shape. That's dude. That's crazy. Yeah, yeah for a guy my size, you know. And um, when you run fast like that, the joints are pounding. Like today, I can't run at all. My lumbar, my hips are all trash. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah. So so you, the the blood flow it just it rejuvenates brain cells. So you start to get this back, and is this when you start to get into uh, to bodyguard work? How does that how does that come about? Oh no, 
No, no, I was Trump's bodyguard when I was 21 years old. Okay. <laughs> before, way before, way before my, uh, you know, I dismissed the Olympics. Uh, like I said, I lost to a future heavyweight world champ in the, in the 92 Olympics. And then I got kicked out of boxing. I walked out on the birds. Uh, and then the, the Kronk, one of the biggest gyms in the world was Kronk. They, they were looking to sign me. But we, I had so much bad blood with them. You know, they're sending me, they're, you know, like I said before, they're, they're sick in their world champions on me. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I had a bunch of bad blood there. And then I went over to uh, Greg Owens, Jackie Kalen. I went with them guys, and they tried to sign me up. So I'm fighting my first pro fight in Atlantic City. I'm sorry, in, in Vegas, in Vegas. I'm fighting my first pro fight in Vegas, and they're going to pay me 450 I'm a national champion. I'm a good guy. The big bucks. <laughs> and, and, and I, I'm a, you know, I'm throwing 139 punches. I set a world record. I threw 139 punches in one round. Right. And that's how I was. High output, man. When I got in the ring, you're going to see a fight. And I couldn't tell you how many times I was fight of the night, you know, or where I fought. On ESPN, I was fight of the night. You know what I mean? On Fox Sports, I was fight of the night. And uh, so... And then they're going to throw me 450. I'm like going, and you know, I'm like, what? Are you kidding me? There's no, you know, I'm like. And then, and then so um, so they, I had to sign a contract that said that she was going to take 40% of my purse, right? So Jackie Kalen's worth millions, multimillionaire. I'm, so they're screwing me over on my first profile. I'm going to get 450 bucks uh, fighting on national TV in Vegas. Now I asked her, "Are you gonna take forty percent of my four fifty? She said, "Oh, of course I am." <laughs> oh my god! And then after that, I was like, "Okay, see you later." And that was that was the end of that. Right. And then so so I so I um, I quit the birds right. And I go to Jackie. And I quit Jackie. And then then were the only legitimate boxing happening in Michigan for me, anyways. And um, so I was like, man, I was dead in the water, man. I was like, damn, I want to go back to college, you know, and. So I was getting ready to go back to college, and I get a phone call to be Donald Trump's bodyguard. <laughs> so it was just a random call? No, it was my uncle. My uncle called me up and says, uh, let's get your ass down here, man. We, we need, a, they need a thug. Uh, Trump is in bankruptcy. And uh, he lost his... Uh, so he's in bankruptcy, so they're, cut, they're cutting all the money they could. So armed bodyguards down in, in, in Palm Beach, you know, Mar Largo. You, you ever heard of Mar-a-Lago? Mm -hmm. The big mansion, right? It's in Palm Beach. So the armed bodyguards at Mar-a-Lago lost their guns. And then so, uh, so my uncle's like, man, we need a thug. <laughs> and then so, you know, and because Trump liked taking girls, uh, there's been times where, like, supermodels would come in and these big studs, you know, these guys are supermodels. Mm -hmm. They're on steroids, you know, big dudes, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, once in a while, he'd take, a, take uh, you know, couples would come in. We'd send a bus down down to Miami, and then um, and then all the models would get on the bus. And whoever the models vouch for got on the bus. Oh, so like, this is my homie, he can come. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, and then, and then so, so all the models had uh, were dating other models, and they happened to be great big juiced-up guys. Because that was the time when that was, like, the, the fashion. That's what was in magazines. Oh, yeah, yeah. you want yeah, big dudes. Arnold you know, was big, just popping yeah, on the scene and everything. <laughs> big, big muscle guys. So right. so then they'd come up, and then sometimes that, you know, the model would stay the night, and then get a limousine ride down the next morning. 
And then and then the 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 boyfriend has to get on the bus and go back down that night. <laughs> <laughs> so so you can imagine. I'll be back, yeah. <laughs> So you can imagine that boyfriend was a little pissed off because his girlfriend staying the night with Trump mm-hmm. and not coming back down with him. Mm-hmm. And so that was my job to take care of that. Ah. <laughs> and so Did yeah. You ever have to regulate on any of those guys or? Well, you know what? My nose. I had a. Really flat nose. You looked at me, you knew I was a boxer. You right. knew I was a fighter, right? And then boxing was, like I said, boxing was a vehicle for me. I was, you know, I wrestled. I grew up, I was a phenomenal wrestler. That was my sport. And so um, you looked at me, you knew I, you know, I, and I had no fear of no, I, I absolutely, Herschel Walker was an animal. You remember Herschel Walker? Yeah, absolutely. He used to come in. You, you, three people had walk-in orders, right? Herschel Walker, the owner of National Enquirer, and the Jewish lawyer. Love that lawyer. The lawyer is freaking awesome. Love that guy. So only three people had walk-in orders at Trump's, and them and them three. And Herschel, so I knew Herschel. You know, he'd come in all the time. And him and Trump were uh, trying to make a new league, CFL or whatever it was. And um, I had no fear of Herschel. Herschel was a beast. I mean, Herschel was like one of the biggest... I mean, he's built like a gorilla. Oh, yeah. Herschel was mm-hmm. just a freaking animal. I had no fear of him whatsoever. I mean, I was like going, you know, I'd, I'd, I'd beat his ass. I mean, it just didn't matter. <laughs> right. I, I was in the ring when I was, I was uh, so I was let, let hit with champ back then when I was in Florida, you know, working for Trump. And they had the six-time world champ kickboxer who was six foot six and weighed over 300 pounds. And they had to come in and they had me spar with them. I beat the hell out of that dude. I beat him up so bad, he got in the ring pissed off, wanting a street fight, wanting to fight. After you know, he's like, "What? What the hell was that all about?" You know, I just beat him up. Yeah. And uh, he was all pissed off because I beat him up. <laughs> and then I'm like going, I'm "Like, dude." And then Steve Shepard, Steve Shepard's gym. Steve's one of the greatest kickboxers in history. And then Steve, Steve went up to him and said, "Get shut the hell up. Get the hell out of here." And I was, I was backing Steve up. I was like, "Man." Said, said, what I did in the ring here would be nothing what I'm going to do to you now. <laughs> right. And he shut him up, and he, he got out of the gym. He never come back. What if, 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 and that dude, that dude, he's six foot six, six-time heavyweight, kick, six-time heavyweight world champion kickboxer. He fought in the first UFC, and he was uh, – and then at the finals, he was an alternate. He was an alternate for the first UFC. And, uh, and then so one of the guys got hurt in the semifinals, and he fought in the finals with the UFC as an alternate, walking in into the finals. Guys, ass kicked, but he still did it. Yeah, yeah, that's that's awesome. It's a pioneer right there. Well, I, I mean, he didn't earn his way, but right, well, well, almost beat his ass. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what was your relationship uh, like with uh, President Trump? Trump loved me. He, uh, so I'm 21 years old, uh-huh. and and I'm. I'm pissing vinegar. I mean, you can you 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 can imagine what a prick I was. I was pissing <laughs> vinegar. I was just, I, you know, I was out to beat the world, man. Right. I mean, I'm now and I'm in the ring day in day out with the best fighters in history. Darren the Mongoose Morris was my sparring partner, and back up in Detroit, he boxed he boxed out of Cronk, Detroit. You know, before this, and he was getting into Tommy Hearn shit when he was at like 18 years old, 19 years old. And that was unheard of. I mean, that was cr- Tommy Hearns is one of the greatest gym fighters ever, and, and Darren was getting into his shit. And then so first time I sparred Darren, he yeah, I mean he ripped me a new ass. But then that was that that kind of put my life on a whole new projectile to beat his ass. And 
I, I made good, and, and there's days I got films of me almost knocking him out. And but, I mean, he, he was a great fighter. I, you know, not, I ain't taking nothing away from him. I mean, right, that, right. that dude was, you know, but uh, I was the only guy in, in that gym that could, you know, get in the ring with him and give him the go. So, anyways, uh, yeah, that's that's what I was doing. And uh, so, street fighting was just like, I love the street. Fight. I don't know why, but I just. I just love the street fight. You got the testosterone in you. Oh, man, I was, you know, I was young. I was just a total package, man. And, so uh, that, that Trump. Yeah, just I just it. knew. I just knew I could out wrestle any great fighter, and I knew I could out fight any great wrestler. Right. You know, I just knew I had the best of both worlds, and uh, that just made me the biggest prick in the room, man. I was ready to go. Right. Oh, what was it? So, so Trump just took a liking to you because you kind of had that energy. Of, you know, oh, he like, loved so Trump. Loved me. That's how we talk boxing all the time. I'm 21 years old. He bought ringside tickets to my fights. You know, I main event. You know, I I fought one of the first five round amateur fights. Mm-hmm. You ever heard of that? Yeah. Mm-hmm. You heard of five round amateur five fight? Five round amateur fight. I never heard of that for like a championship, right? I never heard of that. I never heard of a five round amateur mm-hmm. fight. They're five two-minute rounds, which yeah, I now, love now because like I was a fast, fast-paced fighter. You know, I'm, right. I, I set a world record on ESPN throwing 139 punches in one round. Mm-hmm. Hit a guy 88 times in one round. That was a world record, too, in the cruiserweight division. Right. So, um, so you know, I had a high output. I love that uh, five two-minute rounds. I only fought one of them. It was the main event. Trump come, Well, Trump didn't come. He bought ringside tickets to it. But he was up and he'd, he'd come down on the weekends to Mar-a-Lago. And the fight was on the weekend, and he, and he got stuck. Like I said, he's in bankruptcy, so he's struggling to keep afloat. And he got stuck on a bunch of deals he had to do, but he, he bought their tickets. Then the, on the front page of the sports page, it was Trump's bought ringside tickets to this big fight. And, you know, it's on the, it's on the cover of my book. Mm-hmm. And uh, the article is about Trump coming to my fights. And then as soon as he got down there, he next week he's like, hey, man, what happened? And, you know, I told him all about the fight and all that, and it was fight of the night and what have you. What, what did you know? What was your impression of uh, President Loved Trump? Loved him. Uh, Trump, tr- when I worked for him, it's different than today. When I worked for him, you weren't allowed, nobody's allowed to cuss around him. He went to church every Sunday. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's a, he went to church. I'm not religious, but I respect, you know, I, I respect religion. You know, it, it, life's hard, man. I know life's a kick in the nuts. Uh, this, uh, this is my saying. Life's a kick in the nuts and he die. Okay, so if religion helps you get by on that, I'm all for that. You know what I mean? It, it, but you, you got to walk the walk, and a lot of people abuse religion. Absolutely, they you know. And, say and one so thing. let's let's say Catholicism, right? Mm-hmm. So a preacher, so a priest ain't allowed to sleep with women, right? So uh, uh, that job, who's that going to attract? Right, gay men. <laughs> that job, priesthood, is attracting gay men. Over half the priests are gay men. That's only you know. Think about that. What what straight guy is going to take a job where he can't sleep with women? None. <laughs> so yeah, I, I none. Get, yeah, I get what you're saying. Uh, yeah. So you have a okay. So uh, it's sort of just uh, you, you respected his his. Uh, Trump was a great guy. Trump like a, Trump was, was a great guy. So he, 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 like he loved the working man. Yeah. Like like okay. So when he sent that bus down down to Miami to get the models, right? Where the model vouch for getting on that bus? And that was totally unvetted. Mm-hmm. Now, now, it drove me nuts because I wanted to be on that bus and vet who was getting on that damn bus. Mm-hmm. But he didn't want that. 
He wanted he wanted whoever the amount of outs were to get on the bus with him. Mom and dads. You wouldn't believe how many times you talked to some mom and dad all night. And they'd give them all a hug and a kiss goodbye. Well, he, he'd give them a hug and a kiss goodbye if he, like, really connected with He's the biggest germaphobe ever. Trump mm-hmm. was a huge germaphobe. Mm-hmm. So he's buying me inside tickets to my fights. We talked all the time. I never shook his hand once. Oh, no shit? Nobody was allowed to shake his hand. Yeah. But, like I said, if he sat and talked to mom and dad all night, he'd, he'd hug and kiss him. You know, he'd give him a hug, you know, good night and all that shit. Mm-hmm. But other than that, I mean, he was a big German foe. But he loved, he loved the average working man. He loved talking to Joe Blow. I think he, Trump was born into what he was. His, Fred Trump, I met Fred Trump, his dad. And that dude was like, I mean, he was like an army officer. He's regimented as hell. He was a hard man. You looked at the him, and you knew Fred Trump was a hard-ass man. I mean, he just had that that. That look to him, man. I mean, he's just a badass. So he liked you because he kind of respects the working man. You're obviously doing the grind of fighting, which is yeah. fucking... <laughs> Trump loved boxers. Right. Loved bo- and he knew boxers were the toughest guys in, in the fight industry, and that's why I got the job. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, so he, like I said, he loved talking. He just loved the average working people. That's why he had it set up like that. I mean, who the hell would do that? Send a Greyhound bus down to Miami, fill it up with whoever the models vouch for, come back up, totally unvetted, come into my house and party with me, you know, uh, at the, the big pool area. He had, a, he had a big pavilion, a dance hall pavilion. I could eat, you know, who, who the hell does that? Mm-hmm. That's crazy. But that's who he wanted to talk to. That's why he did that. He would sit there and talk to them people. On, Joe Blow. He loved Joe Blow. Okay, so after all this sort of, you know, living the fight life, uh, all the crazy kind of stuff, you sort of, you said your wife was with you from day one. Yeah. Tell me a little bit about how it sort of, uh, how it kind of. It's the love of my life. We've been together now. 24 years. We've been together 24 years. Love my life. Uh, great. That's the greatest thing that ever happened to me. Uh, we had, we had two kids. Um, and then uh, my my niece, I have a niece that uh, I hate to say this, uh, had four kids and wasn't up to raising them, so I ended up with two of them. My sister ended up raising them, right? The grandma, so it's my my sister's daughter, and and then her kids, and then she ended up raising those. And she had, my sister's really high strung. My, my sister Cindy's really high strung. Had a uh, had a stroke. A lot, and a lot of that had to do with the kids, you know, raising those kids. Right. And, uh, you know, she's older. She runs a business, raising kids and all that. So I told her I'd take two of the middle kids, which were the, you know, the busiest of, you know, the really young one, really old one. Then her oldest, uh, her oldest uh, grandkid was, and the kid's more mature than me. He's like a genius. He's 13, <laughs> years, 13 14. He's 14 years old now. He's more mature than I am. And uh, so anyway, so I took the two middle kids, which was, you know, the busiest uh, for her. And they're really good kids. So now I got four kids, uh, a wife, uh, three dogs, and a cat, a feral cat. <laughs> and, <you're, laughs> and you have a, 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 your own private training facility, right? Yeah, I got, I got my own training gym, uh, personal training. I, I really don't do much boxing. Mm-hmm. And... Um, What's your emphasis on? Because, uh, like I said, you came from the the old school training regimen, but obviously learning from getting physically hurt <laughs> and all yeah, this stuff, you yeah. learn a different way to train. So, what's sort of your training motto when you're working with the clients and stuff? Like oh, that? I have so many. Uh, listen to your body would be the first one. Uh, I tell people if you're doing something and you feel like it's grinding on your joints, don't do that. 
right? Hard running, don't do. I mean, if you want to do the army shuffle, have at it. I'd recommend swimming. Highly recommend swimming. Like swimming is probably the best thing you could ever do, if you don't have a shoulder injury. Uh, stair stepper, uh, just stuff like that. Listen to your body. Uh, make light weights heavy. That's one of my sayings. Uh, high reps. Bodybuilders, man, that's what they're doing. They're doing drop sets, high reps, not tearing on the joints. Uh, listen to your body. Yeah, all that stuff. Um, leave your ego outside the door. Yeah, ego is the, <laughs> yeah. ego is the killer of everybody, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, you, you, with your ego, you know, you want to com- compete with the other people, and that's just, you know, comp- you don't want to compete. You, you do what you do. You right. know, you don't. Right. Forget about, I, forget about what the next guy's doing. You think, do what you do. Yeah, I think that's one of the things that really drives me crazy about, uh, like, my students. If I'm training someone and they're they're trying to beat the shit out of their training partner, I'm like, congratulations, you're the greatest uh, sparring guy in the gym. Like, yeah. <laughs> you fucking asshole. <laughs> you know well, I mean? I'm, that's how we were. Right. But, yeah, but that's the thing, too. <laughs> that's how we were. <laughs> but, but, but that's the thing, too, is, like, you come from that old school hardcore background. Oh, we tried to kill each other. It was right. insane. But now, we but now, tried but now to kill each other. Your, your, your lesson to other people is, like, that's obviously not the yeah, best yeah, health-wise. Yeah, yeah, You're not going to yeah. get better doing that, yeah. right? So yeah. Yeah. Uh, what would you, what advice would you give to an up-and-coming young fighter or someone that's thinking about getting into – Don't know, do it. Okay? <laughs> listen, listen. I don't know. You're getting hit in the head, Okay. You're getting hit in the head. I, I really don't. I mean, look at your nose. Oh, my, trust me. <laughs> my nose looked worse than yours. My nose looked worse than yours. That's how bad mine. My nose broke over a dozen times. Right. And it calcified. And, uh, you know, it's... Did it change? Did your nose look different before? Oh, yeah. Yeah. No. Well, yeah, this is a nose job. And it's still terrible. Oh, what did know? they... What? I still got people walking up. You a boxer? I'm like, what makes you say that? You know, trying to say pretty. It's my nose job, man. What are you talking? I paid ten grand for this. So yeah. So anyway, yeah. um, I I, boxing's a brutal sport. You know what I mean? I wouldn't like. I'm a first generation boxer. Okay. Now, if you come up to me and say, "Yeah, I'm a first generation boxer," I said, "Don't do it." Uh, I would tell you not to do the sport because. You're going to get hurt, okay? Now, if you're a second-generation boxer and you had a dad or a grandfather that knew the game. Knows the promoters, yeah, knows that sort well, of thing. Well, he knows not to let you get hurt. That's the main thing. You know, my dad didn't know. He had no idea. You know, I'm getting concussions, sparring with all these. We're, go, we're going balls out. We're trying to kill each other. We're literally trying to kill each other in the ring. Mm-hmm. And, and if we could knock you out, you know, I'd, I'd knock them out. If they can knock me out, they're gonna knock me out. That's you, know, that's you don't you don't you don't get good doing that. You know when I won that national title with Ali ringside, uh, the Bird Boys were gone. They they went and fought out in some international competition. So I was boxing with all these guys that were you know they were state champions, but they weren't they weren't at my you know they weren't at my level. You know they were uh, they're good fighters, but I was kind of carrying them. I was kind of pulling my punches. Working on my speed, working on my skill set, working on my skill set. Right. You know, I had a super heavyweight state champion. I was middleweight, and I was pulling my punches on him. I could I could have just destroyed him if I wanted to, but I was working with him. You know, you're not gonna get better by just knocking him out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I was working with him. I was working on what what I needed to do, and and the next thing you know, I'm winning a national title, and I was beating. 
And the Armed Force Champ was in there. And Armed Force Champ is automatically ranked one or two. The Armed Force Champ. There's Army, Navy, Air yeah, Force, yeah. all that. He got beat in the semis, and I beat the guy that beat him. Mm-hmm. And uh, so anyways, um, so I mean, cool. there's some of the good. And then the fifth-ranked middleweight was in there. Odell McKinney, I beat him. And uh, so, yeah, I mean, it was it was a – I mean, that was it was a really tough tournament to win. I won it. But like I said, I was working on my skill set. I, was, I wasn't going – like with the Bird Boys, I, I was going to war. Right. You know, I was trying to survive. Mm-hmm. And then with them guys, I was working on my skill set. So yeah, when you're practicing things yeah. that you're not necessarily good at, yeah. that's how you become a more complete exactly. fighter, right? Exactly. Yeah, I, I wish I wish every camp would have been like that, but it wasn't. And that's a, a, I think, still a difference that we see in a lot of modern gyms to this day. Is uh, do we go too hard? And it's, I guess it's kind of trying to find a balance of both because obviously yeah. you want to see what someone's made of, yeah. But you don't want them to put too many miles on their body too early into their career, yeah. right? Yeah. That's just you're just reiterating yeah. that fact, so yeah. that makes me feel better too. <laughs> yeah, yeah, big time. You, you nailed it. And then yeah. uh, I just before we go, I want to talk about your book. Uh, Mike Seski has wrote Small Town Boxer. You want to talk a little bit about this book before we uh, uh, wrap we, it up? We, well, I, I left out a lot. Me and these guys I grew up with in high school. We're like the mob. If you're friends with us, um, Jake the Snake. Willie Wilson and me, we're like the mob. We're always the toughest dudes, and um, we're we're knocking guys out cold. You know, like like I knocked out a football, a college defensive lineman. And then Willie knocked out his friend who was six foot four, six foot four. Willie's like five nine, and knocked this six four six foot four guy out. I mean, he just knocked him out cold. I never seen a knockout like this. Willie, we're in a big, uh, we're at a big party hall, and these guys are starting a lot of trouble. Then they're stepping on our toes, and then we had we had a beef out in the parking lot with them, and they were acting up. And then Willie stepped out in the buffer zone and hit this dude. The guy was six foot four, knocks him out flat on his back, and his legs went straight up in the air. I never seen nothing like that. You ever see that? <laughs> he's, like he's laying out. Making a comedy and, movie. And his head's back, and his legs went straight. I never, I. Oh, it's hilarious, man. So it's more of just like the gritty side of your life and just different stuff. Oh, yeah. That's like that. you know, but I hate to say this, but boxing was a vehicle for me to act the way I did. Mm-hmm. You know, we were you know, we were in one of the biggest bar fights ever downtown Flint at Churchill's. We uh, I, I headbutted this this shit went south and this uh, a linebacker, great big kid, he's all state linebacker, so I give me some. You know, crap. He started giving him some static. We we had some words. And I headbutt him and split his head open. And then, and then that chain, he left after that. I squared up on him. I was like, "Come on, man, let's go." And um, and he had, when I squared up on him, he had blood going down both sides of his nose from a cut right here. And I split his head wide open, and uh, with a headbutt. And then um, and then he went and rounded up his crew, and I had my crew in there. And it just blew up, man. <laughs> it was. They still talk about that fight today. That's how crazy it was. Like twenty on twenty. Yeah, it was like I don't know, oh, it was insane. So it's it was insane. It's insane. It's was it, it was the night before Thanksgiving. That's the busiest part of the year back oh, yeah. back east. Uh-huh. Night before Thanksgiving, everybody comes home for the vacation, all that, and it's just bar nights are crazy. So it's sort of a look at uh, you know, obviously your career. 
And yeah. then you kind of go into a lot of the, We didn't get too much into it, but we go into a lot more of the gritty details in the book and that sort of it's thing. It's a sketchy book. Uh, <laughs> me, me, and the, me and my guys in high school, right? So my, one of my best friends on the U.S. karate team. I'm on the U.S. boxing team. And then a bunch of my other guys played college uh, baseball, you know, uh, football, all that. We're all were jocks, and we're very competitive. And then we, I don't know how this happened, but we ended up getting into a contest who could have sex in the craziest places. <laughs> that, did, that got really sketchy and uh, really competitive and really sketchy. Real competitive? Yeah, well. What were, what uh, were some of the, uh, the, the top ones? High school bathroom during school. During high school bathroom during school. On top of the smiley, uh, smiley face water tower in Flushing. If you, if you if you live in Flushing, you know about the smiley face. They have a great big smiley face on this huge water tower. On top of that, that was a good one. I had all the number ones. But have you have you ever heard of planking? Yeah, I've heard of, yeah, yeah well, like planking. So it's like, but back in then, you guys were like doing the the crazy sex game. <laughs> <laughs> and nowadays, people are like, oh, yeah. watch me plank yeah. on this fucking nerds, <laughs> nerds. How embarrassing! <laughs> Step up your game, guys. They're bragging about planking. I'm over here. Hey, we're having sex. <laughs> That's right, good. Well, I mean, I think we're about in an hour right now. Uh, I can't thank you enough, Michael. <laughs> she brought it up. <laughs> That's, this is my time. And then, so, oh, take it out. So take, we're, take, actually, take it we're actually looking at the water tower so, right now. So, uh, I, can't, uh, I, probably, I won't go. My, my wife will probably hear this. So I don't want to hear it. I just did a podcast the other day. She, got, she busted my balls. Oh, let's uh, talk about that real quick. Why don't you give us a quick rundown so we could uh, have our listeners check you out. Oh, uh, Mike Susky, uh I, I wrote the book Small Town Boxer. Um, what's the name of your podcast? Mike Susky, just Susky, S-U-S-K-I, Susky. That's my podcast. Uh, I have, uh, my last guest was um, Doug Hopkins, who played on Property Wars, one of the richest, uh, one of the rich. I mean, one of the richest men in East Mesa. He's like, he's our Donald Trump of East Mesa. Check this out. The guys are tens of millions. I go, I go to this a moose lodge over on Baseline Road by um, Sossman and Baseline Moose Lodge. Doug's in the. He's worth tens of millions, tens of millions. He's in the Moose Lodge. Got a great big wad of tobacco in his mouth, drinking beer, buying beers for everybody in the Moose Lodge, drinking beers. Everybody loves it. People would kill for that guy. Doug Hopkins, greatest guy ever. That's that was my first guest on my podcast. Uh, he's a, he was a star of Property Wars. You ever okay. heard of Property yeah, Wars? Yeah. Uh -huh. He was a star. He was the linchpin. If it wasn't for Doug, Doug Hopkins, there wouldn't there wouldn't have been a Property Wars. Awesome. Okay, so uh, I'm gonna make sure. So you guys make sure you check out Susky the podcast. Uh, the book again is Small Town Boxer. And uh, I just want to thank you again, Mike, for coming on the podcast. It's really an honor to talk to you, and I'm really grateful for the opportunity. Thank you, man. It was my pleasure, man. You're a great guy. Well, thanks, man. I really appreciate that. All right, guys. We'll, we'll catch you next time on Thicket Things Podcast. Take care. Peace out. <laughs>